The daughter of Pharaoh, the princess, came down to the river and she saw this baby. At least she saw this little little ark, this little basket, and uh, she asked her maid to bring and fetch it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. She had compassion upon him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse it for me. I will give you wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. The child grew. She brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 5-10, through 10, we see God working through the parents of Moses who valued the life of their son, especially did his mother care for him. She hid Moses for three months, and this mother's wisdom led her to devise a plan to preserve her child's life. And God sovereignly cared for the life of Moses when Pharaoh's daughter took compassion upon baby Moses. She gave this child his name. Now the meaning of the name of Moses is given in the inspired account. His name means drawn out because he was drawn out of the water. Well, children's lives are under assault in these days. Even our Lord Jesus came under assault from governing authorities when he was born. God also took care to preserve his life as well. We invite you to listen to Dr. Mitchell here, Exodus chapter 2, verses 5 through 10, on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you and we're studying the book of Exodus. And we were closing in our last lesson about the fact that God had chosen uh, a dear woman by the name of Jochebed. And by the way, her name was only mentioned once in the book of Exodus, and that is in chapter 6. As far as chapter 2 is concerned, where we have the birth of Moses, nothing is said about her name or her husband's name, which was Amram, by the way. And this child was born under the sentence of death. Pharaoh had said, kill all these male children. He was scared stiff that if, there would, if a war would break out, there were so many Israelites, they would, they would go over to the enemy and thus defeat Egypt from the inside. So he said, kill the male children. So Moses was born under the sentence of death. Marie, humble family, family of slaves. And yet here we have one of the most stupendous events in all history. And we see the courage of faith manifested by this father and mother. 
As Hebrews 11.23, parents of Moses, when they saw that this child was a proper child, good child, durable child, they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Oh, what a wonderful truth to have the courage of faith. Although Moses was born under the sentence of death, they were trusting God to take care of that boy. Only to mark this mother's courage. I said a moment ago, her child under the sentence of death. And by the way, do you know she had three children? Miriam, who afterwards became a prophetess. Aaron, who afterwards became the high priest in Israel. And Moses, who was the great deliverer of Israel, the great lawgiver. My, what a family. What's the key of it? Ah, a little woman who walked before God, unknown, unnamed. But she believed the promises of God. And is God going to let her down? Not on your life. God's going to take care of her. Now, that doesn't mean that all in Israel were walking with God, not by any means. In fact, if you read your Bible, you'll find that they were in idolatry, a great many in corruption. There were, there were, they were, what shall I say? They were causing themselves to be like those around them, like the Egyptians, instead of being a separate people unto God. It's hard not to live like your contemporaries. Hard for young people going to high school with the love of the Savior. Hard for them not to be like their contemporaries with the tests and the trials and the temptations. Oh, mother, dad, if you love the Savior, pray much for your young people. Please try to understand the tests and trials through which they have to go. Same with Moses and Amram. When they saw he was a beautiful child, they manifested courage and they were not afraid. <laughs> if the children were to be killed, where were the promises of God? How could they be fulfilled if the boys were slain? So her faith is evidenced by hiding the child. And the word of God meant more to her than the king's edict, which was to kill the child. Now mark the Lord's provision. I suppose I should have read this chapter to you again. I'm trying to save a little time. Note, note the Lord's provision. What did she do? She used her head. That's what that thing on top of your neck is for, to be used. And when she saw that Moses was a proper child, she hid him three months. Now, I don't know what name she called him. No name is given until, until the Pharaoh's daughter takes care of him. When she could no longer hide him, she made this little ark, this little basket of bull, uh, papyri. And she put the, then she, she, uh, she pitched it inside and outside. By the way, that word pitch means to atone, same as you have with, uh, with Noah built his ark. He pitched it inside and outside to make it waterproof. She's not going to have her boy, a little baby, three months of age, uh, put in a little wicker basket in the river where the water could come through. So she pitched inside and outside. Her care for her child. And then she put it by the riverside and said to her little girl, Miriam, you go and watch it now. You go and watch it. You go and watch it. And so the daughter of Pharaoh, the princess, came down to the river and she saw this baby 
At least she saw this little little ark, this little basket, and uh, she asked her maid to bring and fetch it. Now I'm reading verse six. And when she opened, when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. She had compassion upon him and said, "This is one of the Hebrews' children." Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, "Shall I go and call you a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you?" And Pharaoh's daughter said, "Go." And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse it for me. I will give you wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew. She brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. So I'm going to say right here. Point to mark the wisdom of this mother when she put the babe in this little basket of papyri, bulrushes, and you can just see the sister watching to guard her baby brother, and possibly she might have been told what to say. Now, Mark, what happened? Along came this princess. She saw the baby. What would you do if you were down at bathing at a, on the riverside of Nile, and here's a little basket, and you, and you have the, one of your friends go and pick it up, bring it to you, and you opened up, and here's a little baby. And when this little baby looked up, there was a big, large, black eyes, you know, and she saw these strangers looking at her, the baby cried. Or as I say, you know what he did? He just pelted that woman's heart with his tears. Now, what do you do when a baby cries? Well, you pick it up, of course. You don't think that this woman's going to obey the edict of her father? A father says, kill it. The male child of the Jews, of the Israels. Oh, no, not this girl. She's got a woman's heart. She picked up the baby, and the baby pelted her with tears. I'll tell you, my friend, the baby's tears were mightier than the sword of her father. My, what provision God makes for us. Then in came Miriam, and she said, wouldn't you like one of the Hebrew women to... Take care of this baby for you? Oh, she said, I certainly would. And so she went and got her mother. <laughs> Can I get you a nurse? And what better nurse than the mother of the baby? Say her prayer was answered. What have you been taken to the palace to be trained to be a pharaoh, to be a, a ruler of Egypt at three months of age? to be raised in idolatry and all the sinfulness of an Egyptian court. Oh, no. That mother's got more to do than that. So, the princess said to the mother, take this baby, nurse it for me, and I'll give you wages. Now, the princess made a bargain. I will pay you wages. You say, well, she couldn't employ the mother. The mother doesn't need any wages to take care of her baby. <laughs> take care of her own baby? I should say not. God was her employer, not the princess. Her baby belongs to God. She's got to give an account to God for her baby. She doesn't have to give an account to Pharaoh's daughter. Mother, father, you have to give an account to God the way you raised your child or your children. 
If you're Christian people, Christian parents, you've got a tremendous, tremendous responsibility to take that precious baby of yours, that precious boy, that precious girl, train them and raise them for the glory of God. God is your employer. Somebody came to you and offered you $1,000 a month to, to raise your own children. Huh. You don't need $1,000 a month to raise your own children if you're living in a sod shack. You don't care about money. This child is the object of your love, of your devotion, of your affection. Can't pay a mother to take care of a child. I'm talking about a real mother. God was her employer. More than, more than likely you told God, if these babies are, are killed, how can your promises, the promises of an eternal God, how can they be fulfilled? This boy is a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that God promised to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the land of Canaan. And if you kill the male children, how can you fulfill your promise? This woman stood on the promises of God. And I again say she was accountable to God to take care of that baby. Now, may I again remind you that according to the law of the land, according to the edict of her father, this princess should have killed this little baby. But I say again, who can withstand the cries, the tears of a baby Oh, I can just see those big black eyes look up into the face of Pharaoh's daughter. And she couldn't help herself. She just couldn't help herself. Now she's got the mother. What did the mother receive? By the way, what wages did the mother receive? Her boy is going to be a man of God. He's going to be a prophet. He's going to be the messenger of God. Her boy is going to be a man of faith. Not going to be spoiled by the princess and by the people of Egypt. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that. He's going to be a man of choice. God's choice. He's going to choose God's way. He's going to choose God in preference to Pharaoh's daughter. Her supreme job is to train him for God. A man who would know God face to face. I tell you, friend, what a job. What an assignment. Oh, but you say that was Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Well, I don't know what your name is, and I don't know what your son's name is, but I'll tell you, my friend, just as real today, when God gives you a boy or a girl, you are responsible to God to train that boy. This woman, this, this princess, couldn't give Jochebed all the treasures of Egypt in preference to her boy. And by the way, the princess didn't know how much it was going to cost to raise Moses. You ever think of it? You ever think of it? The princess didn't know how much it was going to cost to raise this boy whom she called Moses. It's going to cost an empire. It means a nation is going to be delivered of over two million. It means the judgment of God is going to come upon the land of Egypt because of this boy. Oh, 
I'll tell you, we're dealing with eternal verities here. The mother of the baby has got to train that boy for God. The princess paid the wages as she thought, but she didn't know how much wages she would have to pay. In opposition to her father, to raise a boy who would afterwards become the deliverer of our nation of slaves, who would afterwards, under the power of God, would bring judgment upon the nation of Egypt. I tell you, friends, we're dealing with eternal verities here. I'm saying this because I'm living in a generation which, for the most part, has become indifferent to God. The lawless elements are becoming more and more bold. Corruption is increasing. Our courts can't take care of all the crime that comes before us. Our penitentiaries are full. This is not a local situation. This is true all over the world. And God has been pleased to have you live today and give you that boy and that girl. You see, parents, what I'm pleading for is that you take your children and raise them for God. Many a parent has sacrificed their children to the treasures of this world and have lost their children. And they've got to give an account to God for this. Oh, may I plead with you who are Christian parents, take care of that boy, that girl for God, will you? Now, let me go on. Where did Moses get his start? Ah, of course, at his mother's knee. As I said a while ago, you know, Moses was, was trained by his mother, was trained by Pharaoh, and was trained by God. You have three different levels of training of this man Moses. Trained by his mother, trained by Pharaoh, trained by God. And the training he got at his mother's knee for the first six or eight years, for I think possibly she turned him over to Pharaoh, to Pharaoh's daughter when he was possibly six or eight years of age. Now, I'm not, there's nothing in the Bible to say what, how old he was. I would take it to be six or eight years of age. Taken over to the court. And this princess would lavish all her love and affection upon him trained by the wise men of Egypt. And for possibly 30 and more years, trained to be somebody. As I said a while ago, Josephus declared that he was a military strategist and led the army of Egypt against the Ethiopians and defeated them. He was learned in all the learning of the Egyptians. But the main thing, apart from his training by God in the 40 years in the desert, for he was trained by God for 40 years in the desert, but the basic things were laid when he was six to eight years of age, those few years that Jacobetti's mother had him. He never got away from it. He never got away from it. Did you hear me? Oh, listen, you young mothers, am I talking to you today, you young mothers and young fathers? Take that precious baby, and from the day it's born, right on down through, 
when you're nursing your baby, when it gets to be six months, nine months, 12 months of age. Don't wait till it's 12 years of age, you're too late. Don't wait till it's eight years of age, you're too late. Start when it's a little baby. And believe me, my friend, children get into their heads, into their minds, into their hearts, more than you give them credit for. Did you hear me? More than you give them credit for. And especially if you pray over them and pray for them and pour into their little hearts the word of God so that when they go to school at six, go to the first grade, they've already known something of the living God. The living God. I tell you, I could give illustration after illustration of children, little children, who confounded me with their knowledge of some things of the Word of God I never dreamed they had. Where'd they get it from? Mother's knee. And they never, I've followed them through the years. I think of some now, married and have their own children, are in business, and they never got away from what they learned at their mother's knee. Moses never got away from it. And when he spent the 30-some years in the palace as a leader in Egypt to become the pharaoh of Egypt, to be the head of an empire, he never forgot what he got in his mother's knee. And I just plead with you for that. And by the way, may I say this? Little did Jochebed know what was going to be the result of her training of Moses. She didn't know. All she knew was she wanted to be faithful to God for her boy. Now, are you going to be God's minister to your children, to your grandchildren? And I'll tell you very frankly, in his own time, in his own time, God will reward you. He always does. God will never be in your debt. Who knows what your boy or what your girl may be? In fact, I would say this, the times in which we live calls for men of God. Calls for men of God, women of God. I don't know if there ever was a time in the history of the world, in the history of our own country, when there's a need for men of God. Not crowds. God isn't interested in crowds. He's not interested in the multitude. He's interested in you, in me as individuals. This is the wonder of it. This is the wonder to me that God, the eternal sovereign God, should be concerned about me individually, about you. I had a man come forward in a meeting and he said, Mitchell, you talk as if God knows every one of us by name and all about us. I said, he certainly does. He bottles our tears and he numbers the hairs of our head. I'll tell you, my friend, not two sparrows, not one fall to the ground. Your father knows about them. He attends, as Campbell Morgan said, he attends the funeral of sparrows. And are not you much more valued than many sparrows? He created you in the image of God for a purpose. Maybe not thwart that purpose. And dear father, dear mother, and I'm appealing to you in my message today because I want to use this as an illustration of what God is looking for. Who knows, your boy might be a man of God to be used to be a channel of blessing to thousands, tens of thousands of people. Why not? Why not? Oh, but you say, Mr. Mitchell, I'm not educated. Was Jacobed 
she was a slave. She lived possibly in a mud hut on the side of the Nile. God took a woman of faith who believed the promises of God, was used by God. Now I'm going to leave her with that. We'll follow along in our story in chapter 2 in our next lesson, but I want you to know something about this amazing thing. God can take a mother, absolutely transform that mother, through that mother, take this baby boy of hers who's going to be God's man, God's man, the deliverer of a race of slaves, God's man, to whom? God's going to talk with him face to face. Maybe God will talk to your boy, to your girl, face to face. God's looking for men. God's looking for women today who will walk with him. Where are you going to get that start? What better place than at mother's knee? Dear mother, dear mother, may the Lord indeed graciously use you in the lives of your children, that they may become men, women of God. May the Lord bless you today. And may the Lord gift you to not only walk before him, but to become a usable vessel in the lives of your own precious children. Now the Lord bless you in a wonderful way. And we pray this in the precious name of our Savior. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.